0: Hi, I'm Brandy.
1: And I'm Angelina, and welcome to Talk 40 to Me.
0: We're having all the candid conversations you'd have with your bestie.
1: Join us as we unpack life in our 40s and all the questions that led up to this next chapter.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Brandy. And this is Angelina. And welcome to another episode of Talk 40 to Me. Welcome back. Welcome back, Angelina this is a really busy month. And did you know that there's several different health months going on in May? There's Stroke Awareness Month, Food Allergy Awareness Month. I think there's several other awareness months. But today on this episode, we are talking about Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Super important stuff. Yeah. And especially since we're heading into the summer months, this is such a great reminder to be sure to wear your sunscreen. Yes. Coming from
1: I am a um, former tanning bed addict. Yeah, I hate to even admit, but and I have learned the error of my ways. And I tell my children all the time, wear your sunscreen, kids. You mm-hmm. Started at a young age. The things that I wish I knew
0: in the eighties and nineties that we know now. My face is paying for it with all my sunspots. I know we're working on it now. We're working on it, and we are reformed that said we have two very special guests on today's episode so we have candy and Merritt peterson and i'm so excited to share a little bit more about them and to introduce them so first we're going to share a little bit about Candice. we all we call her candy candy and i actually met gosh so many years ago at a previous agency that i worked uh, that we both worked for uh, i was there back in 2007 so it's been a really long time that we've known each other and I'm so honored to have them uh Candy and her daughter to be a part of today's episode so Candy Peterson founded the Merritt Peterson fund for melanoma research in honor of her daughter a melanoma survivor the 26 million dollar plus study led by Jeffrey E Lee at MD Anderson Cancer Center supports the investigation of the genome that causes melanoma. Fun fact, which you guys have to watch this, uh, Candy actually delivered a TEDx centered on this very topic and it gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. I've watched it a couple of times. Uh, Most recently, Dr. Jim Allison was awarded a Nobel Prize for his work supported by this fund. These ladies are moving mountains, I have to say. And when she's not advocating for melanoma research, Candy is the global manager, a uh, global managing director of brand marketing at Fleischman Hillard, where she has made a career alongside of CMOs of some of the world's most influential brands to develop and drive creative ideas that connect with stakeholders and propel businesses forward. I have to say, I have seen her work firsthand, and she never ceases to amaze me. It was an absolute honor and a privilege to work with her in our past life. Merritt is a graduate of ursuline academy of dallas and currently a freshman at the university of texas austin where she is a member of the zeta tau alpha sorority on the pre-med track Merritt has been a fierce advocate of sun safety and named pediatric advocate of the year by the nella ugh, i cannot say it melanoma research foundation i mean at this point like i don't even know what else to say i'm it it's so wildly impressive what you guys have done. So, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Candy and Merritt Peterson.
2: Thank you. <laughs> so many kind things. and uh, Brandy, right back at you. I've always loved um, having you in in my orbit and or being in your orbit, I should say. Um, thanks for having us today.
0: Thank you so much. i I have been so eager to have this interview. Angelina knows, like I, I, I've i been talking to her about it for weeks now uh, with anticipation to, to have you guys on. And the TED talk,
1: like Brandy said, was so good. I texted her immediately after I watched it and I said, oh my gosh, I have chills. This is amazing. The way you delivered it was wonderful. And I want to encourage everyone head to our show notes for that link and go listen to it. Oh,
2: thank you so much. It's you know, one of those moments where you're talking about your own personal experience, and I never, ever, ever thought I'd be able to deliver a TED Talk. You know, you have to do it without notes. So that was like 15 minutes of pouring my deepest, darkest, (laughs) you know, experiences in our life out there to the public. And thank you for saying um, so many nice things about it. really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Brandy and I, we are obviously navigating motherhood with young kids. And as I said, your TED Talk about your pursuit to find answers and follow your mother's intuition. That was just huge for us, very resonating, Um, that you advocated for your daughter was just so inspiring. And we often question ourselves and we're wondering, am I being too anxious? Am I hypersensitive? Or is this my intuition, my gut? So what advice do you have for parents about listening to their intuition and what kept you going and pushing for those answers?
2: You know, medicine is a science, right? And so we always talk about how science is, you know, data and it's the, you know, science is the truth, but as parents, we know our kids and being able to look at the situation and understand that, um, you know. Science is, is only as real as the humans that are kind of powering it. Right. And so as humans, we're, we're, we're fallible. We make mistakes. And so that was really what drove me with Merit was I just had this, you know, this feeling that there was something wrong. I listened to doctors, but I just wasn't willing to kind of take that as the, the final, you know, Thing. I was like, you know, I'm going to pursue this, whether, <laughs> whether, whether, um, you know, it, it made sense or not. I just, I just had this feeling. And so, so many moms have, have said, you know, gosh, I've had that feeling before. You just do. It's like you're, you're, you're so connected to your kid. And sometimes that might come with um, some dismissal or you, you, you might feel like you're being too strong or or whatever, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's our role in life. Like, we're, we're put on this earth to, to be the parent and the advocate for our kids who who can't speak for themselves. So if you ever have that feeling, that's something that's special. That's like what, you know, our job is our number one goal is to protect our kids. So, um, yeah, I say like, do it with, uh, <laughs> with strobe lights on, like, yeah, be that advocate because what's the worst thing that you can have that, that can happen is that, you know, Hey, you find out like, actually, it's not nothing at all. And and don't worry about it, but you'd really probably regret it. If you didn't um, continue to ask those questions and find those answers.
1: So to back up, to tell everybody listening,
2: what actually happened? So they know the backstory. Of course, when Merritt was born, she had this tiny little dot on her right ring finger. It just looked like a mole. So, I mean, this is when she was like born. And then as she got a little bit older, as she was growing, so was this dot on her ring finger. I just was watching it, and, you know, we would have her monthly checkups. I would talk to the pediatrician and be like, hey, you know, hey, this thing's, like, kind of growing a little bit, and it was like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. That's small. When she was a little over a year, it really started to grow at a faster rate. That was what was making me feel uncomfortable, and it, it looked like the best way for me to describe it was the... Uh, like, you, you know, those yellow number two pencils that we all had to take tests with the little pink eraser on the top. That's kind of what it looked like. And it was just way bigger and fleshier than a mole might be. And so I talked to the doctor about it and, you know, the doctor was like, hey, I don't think it's anything. Um, so I just said, you know, I want to get this looked at. So initially I took her to um, my dermatologist the dermatologist is like, yeah, I don't think it's anything. Um, it, you know, it, it might be like what they call a ganglion mass, which is like um, just a, a, f- a fleshy mole. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. You know, so this is probably 13, 14 months. And I just decided I was going to call the pediatric hospital and make an appointment for her to see um, a physician there. So I, I just, you know, was Googling, you know, Hand surgeons for <laughs> pediatric patients and got her an appointment. It wasn't a, a priority case. And so I kept getting, um, Hey, we're going to push you off. Cause we have a priority case that's come in. So I had gotten canceled probably three or four times. So the, um, final time they called me, they're like, Hey, we're going to need to push you off again. And I just made up some, you know, excuse like oh I can't I've already had to take off work so many other times I can't take off again you guys have to see me so they did get get married in that day and the doctor um in that particular um moment was very dismissive um said you know I don't know why you're even putting her through this we were going to have a biopsy he said I'll take this off you know but you know you know, I'm sure you just want it um, to be off so that she looks pretty because she's a girl. I mean, it was just very, like, kind of speaking down to me. And I was just, you know, biting my tongue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. I said, well, I just really need the peace of mind that it's nothing to, to be concerned about. M- my father had recently had a melanoma lesion removed, and this thing looked a lot like it. And at this point, she's approaching, you know, 16 months, and it was starting to actually bother her when she would, you know, brush up against against anything. And so, I was like, I, I understand your uh, your position, but yes, this is something that I feel compelled to do. So he's like, this will be like 15 minutes. You know, we'll take her in. It's going to be no big deal, easy breezy, and then we'll have her back in a minute. So two hours later, <laughs> she still wasn't out of um, the OR. Um, and then he came back, and um, I tell you, his demeanor was completely different than when he went in. He said that it was um, a lot more difficult to remove, that it had seemed to have kind of grown um, into her hand. They did remove it, but then they were going to send it off for biopsy. This is the same physician who, you know, when we went in told me that, you know, it's absolutely going to be, you know, no big deal. If it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It's probably a duck it was not a duck. It was something a lot more, more scary. So we were supposed to have, um, gotten the results from the biopsy back within two weeks. Um, at that point they called and said, we can't identify what it is, but it has what they said were melanocytic qualities. I didn't know what melanocytic qualities were immediately got on Google and and searched for that. But, um, what I did know was that they were sending it to, to other um, leading dermatological hospitals to have, um, ha- have the, the um, tissue samples tested. Two more weeks passed by and we received a call that they still couldn't identify what it was, but that um, they were going to refer us to MD Anderson Cancer Center. So when I heard the word Cancer Center, you know, I, it, it just took me to, to my knees. At that point i knew i had made the right decision by pursuing this and kind of forcing the issue and having that biopsy made because it did set us on the course for um, a much much different path one that i i never imagined
0: it's unbelievable how much you had to fight to get someone to pay attention. And I feel like oftentimes as parents, we experience that quite a bit. And, and it's like, gosh, I'm here to, I, I want to trust what you're saying, but I need the peace of mind to know that everything is okay. And it wound up being a pretty aggressive cancer, right?
2: It did. Yeah. So we, we did get to MD Anderson, um, at which point we, they, um, did a further biopsy of the, the tumor site and did a sentinel node ex- extraction, at which point um, it became clear that it was an advanced stage of melanoma and it had metastasized. So it was at stage 3B. And at the time, Merit was the youngest patient that they had seen with melanoma at MD Anderson. Um, so it was, <laughs> we always laugh like we were in the geriatric ward with a pedi- <laughs> pediatric patient. People were like, are you in the wrong, are you in the wrong clinic? I'm like, no, actually, you know, she has, she has melanoma. So at this point, the the treatments for for melanoma were you cut it out and then they um, had very experimental, um, treatments at the time. So she had, you know, two other surgeries, her tendon was, was excised and they, uh, they put her all back together. The plastic surgeon, um, she, um, had all these ports put in and then she had a year long treatment, um, with a, a, a drug called alpha interferon, um, and alpha interferon was really tough on her little body. Um, she was, you know, just just two years old at this point. In fact, she had her surgery like four or five days before her second birthday. And so like all we wanted was for her to not be in the hospital on her second birthday. So she was able to make it home to go to, I think it was called Slappy's puppet playhouse <laughs> and all of her little things. And she looks so sick and all of her little friends were there. And, but so she had this treatment for a full year and it, creates flu-like symptoms so she was up with terrible terrible fevers like 105 like scary ones that you're afraid they're going to get seizures didn't sleep night terrors this was like a full year of that i also during the midst of this um, actually the the day she had her um, port put in in her first treatment i next day gave birth to my son. So I had a newborn and um, merit going through um, all of this uh, crazy cancer treatments all at the same time. So it was an interesting time in life.
0: Yeah. And having a baby in itself is, you know, a very life-changing experience. And when you're, you know, have two kids and you're trying to navigate that new world and that's quite the feat, but you guys are so... have shown such resiliency and it's, it's so incredibly inspiring that I hope that someone, you know, listening can take this away and, and know that, you know, really family connectedness and, you know, all the, would love some tips on how you got through it. Cause I mean, th- there's so much that happened to you guys at such a condensed in such a condensed time period. Yeah, it was a lot.
2: I sometimes look back and think, I, I, I don't know how I did it. Oftentimes it (laughs) might've, it's like, was it an out of body experience? Like, but as moms, again, like in addition to the intuition, we are also gifted with such strength, strength that we don't know we can do so much. Like, I think before you have a kid, you believe that your world is so busy and you can't pack a single thing else into it. And then the kid arrives, you're like, whoa, how, how did I even like put my clothes on before get getting dinner on the table? What? And now you've got this kid. So you just take that, you take that energy and it just multiplies. It was, it was so much, but again, it's one foot in front of the next. And um, I've always described it as when the trains leave the station, you either got to get on or you're um, going to get lost. And so, um, w- was always one to kind of just keep my head up and, you know, pray and know that, um, God had a journey for us and it was going to to turn out. Okay.
0: That's amazing. I love that analogy too. We're going to have to use that one or requote it. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I was curious, Merit, do you remember any of this time that your mother's describing?
3: So I actually don't. It's really weird because I hear all these stories about me having cancer and me going through treatment, but I really don't have any recollection at all. I just have the scar on my hand and my armpit where my lymph nodes were removed to show it. And I think that's kind of really weird because, yes, I had cancer, but I don't remember it. But there are things that still kind of linger, like... I have to go, go to the hospital every single year and I have some sort of I don't know if it's PTSD but it's some sort of like emotional trauma related to going to the hospital even though I don't remember it.
0: So it's really quite strange. That's really interesting. But you know, obviously great that you're like staying on top of it and and being very mindful about it too and um able to to work through it. Understanding that You may not have recollection of, you know, what you had gone through, but having gone through the fight of your life and all the incredible things that you have done with your experience, is there a perspective from that experience that has made you into the woman you are today in the, the, you know, for example, the choices that you have made in terms of college and where you want to go and what you're doing in, in life as, you know, thus far?
3: Yes. I think the biggest lesson that anyone can learn from going through a difficult experience is that God gives his worst battles to his strongest soldiers. And that's something that I've lived by and my whole family has lived by. We are Catholic and God got us through all of the cancer stuff and got, gave my mom strength to get through it all because God knows she needed a lot but I have to overcome things every single day that relate to my melanoma. My doctors can never say cancer-free because that's just not how my cancer is. They have to say no evidence of disease because there's always a chance of reoccurrence. And sometimes I wake up and think I am i get scared that I'm going to find a new spot and have to go through that same thing all over again. And while having these scares can be overwhelming. I like to channel my fears into my future. So I'm about to finish my first year at the University of Texas, which is my dream school. <laughs> and my parents went here. And I am majoring in health and society on the pre-med track. So I know that my life was saved for a specific reason. And I believe that God wanted me to become a dermatologist and to help cure other people's And cancer and melanoma and just create a better life for them.
0: Oh my gosh. I just got chills. (laughs) That's beautiful, Merritt. Absolutely beautiful. And so inspiring. I'm holding back tears because it's just it I do believe that oftentimes we are put in certain circumstances to learn from that and to help whether it's instill change, inspire, educate. We all go through certain things, some more, much more difficult than others. But I I love that you are taking this and turning it into something positive. And I think that that's also super helpful for someone who may be in a situation that is very difficult for them and they don't, they may feel lost on where do they go next and how you take such, you know, something so difficult, like I said, to, to, to make, to instill change and to help others.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think why not do something with the, with the worst. I don't know how to phrase that, but my mom always looks for the silver lining and things, So I just decided to do the same thing.
1: I think that's a huge, amazing, amazing message because when someone goes through something, it can go one of two ways, you know, and The people that choose to take it in the direction of doing something good with it and learning from it, those are the people that really enact change and inspire other people. And so that is just amazing. And at such a young age that you recognize that now and you have this path. You know how many people your age have no clue what they even want to do? And you've already got a foundation
3: and a path. And I mean, that's impressive. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do without my mom though. She, she created it, the funds, but I am, I'm the namesake. So I guess I have some credit there. But yeah, I mean, I continue to advocate every single day. I mean, in, with my friends and my sorority, um, I was actually asked to give a speech during the philanthropy round of recruitment this year. So I'm going to be able to share my story with PNMs that are going through and like super scared. I hope to create a safe space for them. And I also advocate for skin protection in my daily life. I am a sunscreen freak. And I know that my melanoma was not caused from the sun, but in the future, if I don't take care of myself, it could, I could have another melanoma caused by the sun. And I I just, I couldn't live with myself if that happens to me. And I knew that I could prevent it. So I just try to tell everyone, wear your sunscreen and then don't use tanning beds. I know that was such a huge thing for y'all's generation. Not that you're old, but y'all's generation (laughs) a while ago. (laughs) It's okay.
1: I admitted to it and I have recovered and I'm on a better path now.
3: (laughs) Yes. Well, it was just, it was so normalized. And now you have, I mean, I tell people if they use a tanning bed, they have early aging, they can have sunspots. And I think for girls my age, the physical aspect is the worst. I'm like, yeah, you're going to look really old. And I think that triggers something more than, oh, I might get skin cancer. I don't know, which is kind of unfortunate, but girls care about how they look.
1: It's a very true point. If someone would have told me that at 20, I might've stepped back and said, wait, maybe I shouldn't be but' it's, it's good that you are on this path because I don't think that's something young people think about is skin cancer and sunscreen. Like sunscreens probably last on your list for a lot of people. When you're young, you don't think about aging and cancer. It's just not in your realm of thought. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I am guilty too. Like loved the tanning bed.
1: We'll have to pull some pictures of Brandy and I. how dark we were, and it was not self-tanner. Such a shame. So, Candy, when Merritt was diagnosed with advanced stage melanoma, you gave birth to your son, and then not long after, you were diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, to say this was a difficult season of your life is probably the understatement of the century, but is there anything specific that comes to your mind on how you made it through it all, and did it change the trajectory of how you approached life? Because
2: that's just a lot. So one of the most interesting things that happened when the day that I found out that I had breast cancer, Merritt was home from school and like not to be superstitious around numbers or anything, but it was like a year to the date that she had finished her cancer treatments. Um, I get a call from my doctor. It was just, like my very first mammogram and there was like something strange about it, but I was like, oh, you know, it's probably nothing. And I get the call, <laughs> Merritt's at home and they're like, you have uh, breast cancer and um you know it's like we caught lightning in a bottle but you know it's uh you're gonna need to have like like turns out I had a double mastectomy it was like a not just any type of cancer it like needed to be um I, I was going to lose both my breasts and so I hung up and it was like I knew Merritt was home for that very reason because I walked over to her on the couch and I said, I mean she's a little girl at this point, you know, um, I was like Merritt I just was talking to my doctor and, um, you know, how you had cancer on your hand? I said, well, mommy has cancer too. And she looked up at me and it was like the best possible response for this moment of like, I was pretty scared. She's like, Oh mommy, we match. And I was like, we do match. And it was just, she couldn't have said anything better. And I was like, I can't be scared. I need to like, have a good attitude about this because she was just such an amazing little patient. So positive. I mean, she was given six months to live and just was a total trooper throughout it all. And she's still here. And so I knew that I was going to need to do the same. So I actually credit my um, strength and fortitude throughout my journey to merit and her strength and us together. And that connection that we have, you asked, did it change the trajectory? I don't think a mother and daughter could be any closer than the two of us are. We probably like some of our friends joke about like, we've talked in very clinical and medical terms with one another. So we are just very open. And so there's like no secrets whatsoever. I'm sure her boyfriend probably just likes that, but we talk about everything. And so she's my best friend. I'm so grateful that we have FaceTime that I get to see her, you know, every day while she's far away from me. But yeah, I think that, the most important thing for me in my life are being able to celebrate my children and our family, because I feel like we've had so many moments in life where any one of us could have like been taken away. And um, that's what I value the most is time together, not material things, but just really our time and, and our closeness. And I treasure it. Our relationship is the thing that I work the hardest
0: on. So. That was a very rambling response. I hope I even answered the question. (laughs) I loved it so much because, you know, it even it even stems into, you know, mother daughter relationships too. And, and, you know, oftentimes you hear about, I feel like these days I have so many friends or family who have daughters and they're so incredibly close with their children. And I, I think that there's. I don't know. Like there's something raw about the emotion and being open and being so connected. Do you guys have any advice for moms and daughters in terms of, I mean, this is a, a new question that, that we didn't ask, but I do think that there's something your bond is so incredibly special. What advice would you have for, you know, mothers, daughters, even, you know, actually may is also mother's day too. Uh, so this is such a great time to talk about that as well. how do you how do you i don't know what what advice would you have in terms of building a bond with as a mother or as a daughter?
3: The first thing that I can think of is if you want to tell your mom something, you need to make sure that there's going to be no judgment because I think that's a big thing where daughters hide things from their moms, they're going to be judged or they did something different than their moms at a young age, or I don't know, they were doing something that they felt ashamed of. But I think that there needs to be no judgment in a mother daughter relationship. um, Because then you can be honest with each other and then have honest conversations. And that's always the best kind of conversation.
2: Being able to create a safe space um, for your child um, is very important. And I would also say that not only knowing your child, but being close to your kids' friends is really important as well. When their friends know that they can trust you as a parent, it makes it, I think, easier for your child to also talk to you. Um, I don't know, Merit, I hope that that's the environment that we've created for one another. But um, to me, it's like you're, you're, your child is also the people that they're hanging around with. And so making sure that you have a closeness with their friend group is important because as a teenager, their degree of importance and where, where they place value obviously leans towards friendships um, at certain seasons in their life. And so um, being friends with their friends, I think it's very valuable.
3: You always loved when my friends would come over. and just sit around our kitchen table and talk about the most random things like school or boys or social life or my drill team, even in high school, there was a lot of drama there. But when I went to college, my mom just called me and said that she just missed me and she missed talking to my friends. So I agree with that.
0: I love that. And you know, the other interesting thing is it it sounds like candy, how you balance that. I mean, you are in such a demanding role career wise and how you stop and take time for your family. That's something that I'm continuing to learn and try to balance and um, navigate through that world of parenting and working um, full time and trying to be so connected with your kids. Like, you know, I think more so now I, I feel like parents are more Ha- having more open conversation and dialogue with their children, and um, kind of letting their guard down a little bit.
2: Yes, my upbringing was very much like the you know more of an authoritarian um, environment, and so that's not the um you know not not to um, discredit how my parents raised me; they're wonderful, and I'm super close to them. But as an adult, I knew that I wanted to have a different relationship with my kids, um, and yeah, with with technology, and it's so easy to get disconnected to just have those moments of um, again, it's that time, it's listening, it's hearing them. It's allowing them to be seen um, and and making them feel safe that it's okay to talk about anything and explore topics with one another and um, that they're not going to be judged, but that they can be guided. That's the one thing. It's like, I can listen. I'm not going to tell you you're right or wrong, but I can help you identify what's the right decision and guide you down that path. Ultimately it's your decision, but let's um, let's talk about this in a way that you can weigh the pros
0: and cons. I feel like we need a whole other episode on parenting, Angelina. Like this is such good content. (laughs) I agree. I
1: feel like that was both of what you said. It was so good. And it just made me think about how you said the way you were parented. That was just our generation. We were just parented differently. It just, And for us, I feel like all of us, we're just figuring it out. You know, they hand you a baby and they go, here you go. Good luck. I mean, we don't know what we're doing and we're hoping that we're doing (laughs) a good job. And so we rely on other mothers and a support system and wise people like yourselves to give us that advice. So your daughter here is living proof that you've done a wonderful job and we appreciate that that advice. I like the idea. It's like we're not here to judge you; we're going to guide you, and I think that's wonderful.
0: Going back to the Merritt Peterson uh, Melanoma Research Fund, and want to talk a little bit more about the fund, the foundation, and what you guys are doing. Can you help us understand? What keeps you going? And share any updates with our audience about the fund's accomplishments to date.
2: We have been um, blessed to work with Dr. Jeffrey Ely. Dr. Jeffrey Ely was actually Merritt's surgical oncologist at MD Anderson, and when she completed, well, when when they took her cancer out. And, you know, we knew that she was going to to survive this. We asked Dr. Lee, what can we do to make good of this mess? Like there's, she's a kid, she should not have this. Like my dad had melanoma too. Like, is there any sort of connection? And he actually told us that there were about 2000 samples that were sitting in a research lab that needed to be That basically just needed funding so that they could study it. So um, we asked him like, what would that take? And he told us he needed a million dollars and we're like, okay, we're going to figure out how we could raise this. So we started out in our early years doing a um, golf uh, fundraiser. We did a golf tournament and my family, my mom and dad, my brother, my in-laws, we all um, underwrote um, the golf tournament, which would allow the full entry fee to go directly to MD Anderson. Like we didn't want and any any cut coming out of it so 100 percent went to MD Anderson and what um, our, our one ask was that the doctor come back every year and tell us what he did with that money so um, year over year um, the, the uh, tournament had um, this amazing um, ability to kind of pull back and see wow this is this is making a huge impact. So at the time, there was not a lot of money that was going to, to melanoma research just because it is a r- considered a rare disease. So um, we were beginning to see um, these genes that were being identified that were melanoma specific genomes. And then they were um, beginning to identify new um, amazing new treatments. And every single time it was the Merritt Peterson Fund that was listed on all of this research. And so um, these donors who probably understood like, you know, three or four words of what the doctor was talking about because he sometimes spoke over our head, we're, were still getting the the um, result of like, wow, this is really making an impact. And then not to, to forget, most of these golfers were um, folks that had been in the sun all their lives and, you know, middle-aged guys and we had offered skin screening so that all the physicians came down from um, MD Anderson. So all these like amazing experts were doing these skin screenings. So in the early years, the guys would say, there's no way ever that I'm going to take my clothes off and be screened by these doctors before I go play golf until the first guy um, gets uh, a, a melanoma discovered on his skin and actually saved his life. So we had four for the first year that we're uh, identified with certain types of skin cancers, we had several melanomas. Um, we saved many, many lives through those skin screenings. So between the skin screening, so being proactive, um, getting your skin checked, so advocating for that, and then the, um, the fact that their, their dollars were actually making um, a huge impact um, in the research, it, it was just um, tremendous. And then COVID hit and um, unfortunately the the golf um, tournament um, has not taken place since since then however we have continued to support the fund as individuals and um, many of the the folks that participated in our golf tournaments over the year that were impacted also continue um, to contribute to the fund we are super super excited I think Brandy you mentioned that the the top of the podcast and um, the intro that um, Dr. Jim Allison was um, uh, given the Nobel Prize for some research that the Melanoma Peterson Fund actually helped support. So um, that is a huge feather in our cap. We are also thrilled that the research fund has expanded beyond just the halls and walls of MD Anderson. Um, there are um, teams in Australia, in the UK, all, all across the globe um, that are um, participants um, in the same research study that, the, um, that we actually started. So very, very grassroots. And I think um, a testament to caring, having a very focused objective to study the human genome that causes melanoma research. Um, we were just very, very focused. That that's what we wanted to do. And um, having that clear focus and um, a commitment um, to, um, to the fund has resulted in some pretty amazing things that sometimes I'm like, well, how did we do that? I actually joked with Meredith. was like, you know what, if you Google your name, your name's like attached to all these cool things like at Duke and all these other colleges, like Merritt Peterson has done some cool things in the medical field and actually listed on the um, WHO's list of like um, top melanoma um, research um, funds. So it's like, like, wow, I don't know how we did this, but we did it. So cool.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to add that. So we started the fund because of um, wanting, we wanted to fund the research for these genomes because we believe that my melanoma was genetic because obviously not caused from the sun. And then my maternal grandfather had melanoma. So it just made sense that it was genetic. And there weren't many options to figure that out when I was going through treatment. But a few years ago, I was given the opportunity to have genetic testing done to see if I had the melanoma gene. And I actually don't. So all of this money that we've raised, that we thought caused my melanoma, didn't, which is kind of just unreal because we believed that most of my life. But I'm so glad that we didn't know that because I don't think we would have been as motivated to raise all that money if we
0: didn't know that. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, one, how strange is it that it wasn't genetic? Have they figured out what caused it or is there still you know, no answers on, you know, what might have caused this cancer to happen?
3: I guess, I mean, I've taken biology classes <laughs> and I've learned about how cancers form. And I I think the only answer we have is that it was a random mutation. It's
0: wow.
3: just, so the DNA is translated into mRNA and it, it leaves the cell and there must have been some sort of miscommunication, the DNA didn't copy exactly the same. And it just started multiplying because cancer cells multiply faster than normal cells. So it just became a tumor, I guess, when I
0: was in the womb. So
3: I don't think there is another explanation than
0: just a
3: random mutation.
0: Amazing. But I mean, imagine like the the mountains you guys have moved and the impact you have made. It started with what, like a, a golf tournament, right? Which is no easy feat by any means, but now the funds have gone global and it's now a part of this global research. And I, I'm sure you, you know, you were on a mission, like you're going to get this doctor some money so that way you can better understand what's going on, but the lives that you guys have changed, you know, ev- everything from, you know, the local screenings to the funding, it just, it's like a domino effect. And then someone getting a Nobel Peace Prize, a Nobel Prize for it. I'm speechless. at The work that you guys have done in it, and it all came from a passion and, um, and purpose. And, and I mean, you guys should absolutely be commended for that.
1: With May being Skin Cancer Awareness Month, we want to know from you guys, what advice would you give our audience regarding skin care detection and how they can learn more and get involved with the Merit-Peterson Melanoma Research Fund?
3: A really funny thing, my friends always ask me to check if they have skin cancer. Um, and I have to remind them that I am only 18 and I have gone through no actual medical training. But I religiously use this acronym and it's ABCDE rule and it's for melanoma, but it can also work for other skin cancers as well. So the A stands for, is the mole asymmetrical? If you draw a line through the mole and the two halves don't match, then it is a warning sign for melanoma. Normal benign moles show symmetry. And then B is, is the border normal? A benign mole has a smooth border. A sign of early melanoma is if the border around the mole is uneven or presenting scallops or like kind of botched look. And then C is what color is the mole. Most benign moles are one color all the way through, most likely light brown. But a melanoma can have a variety of colors within the mole. So it could be shades of brown, tan, black, or even red, white, or blue, which is kind of crazy. I've never seen a blue melanoma, but probably when I'm a dermatologist, I will. But that's always something to keep in mind. And then, yeah, for example, my melanoma was that pink eraser color. And then D, what is the diameter? A melanoma is usually way bigger than a typical mole. A melanoma will typically be about a quarter of an inch, but if the melanoma is early, it could be smaller. So I don't know if it'd be easy to me- like measure the mole yourself, but that's where that's where you go to the dermatologist and they will measure it and um, look at your skin for you. And then the last one is e. Is it evolving? So common moles look the same over time. People can have the exact same mole from their birth so their to when they die, and it just doesn't change at all. But when a mole is evolving, it can change in size, color, elevation or it can have another trait like bleeding, itching, or crusting. And all of these point to melanoma. So I would say, keep this in mind if you've never gone to a dermatologist, but schedule an appointment to go to the dermatologist because it's their job to check your skin.
1: Very helpful. Yeah, I do that now. I do full skin care, care checks every year. And so if somebody wanted to get involved with the Merritt-Peterson Melanoma Research Fund, what would you suggest?
3: You can visit mdanderson.org slash merit m-a-r-i-t to donate to our direct fund and it will help to fund the research that goes behind um, the genomes and the genes that cause melanoma and I was going to share that I think it was during COVID we weren't having a golf tournament we were kind of we were sad that we weren't raising any money but then we got a notification or a call I'm not sure um, that someone who, my doctor, Dr. Lee, he also cured her cancer. She donated a hundred thousand dollars to the fund, and that's when we knew it was still totally a thing. It was still helping so many other people, and it's nice when people continue to donate.
0: Wow, amazing! So everyone, this was such a rich conversation that. We love doing our mini segments. Um, We're going to consolidate it just so that way we have as much information to share with you as possible. With that said, forgive us, ladies. We do our own um, sound effects, but it is time for rapid fire. (laughs) Okay, so do you guys have a go to guilty pleasure or self care that you use on the regular? For me, it's probably cookie dough because I'm in college
3: and <laughs> cookie dough is cheap and it makes me happy.
2: <laughs> so that's my Mine is any like historical drama I get made fun of by the family because I always get suggested like British shows on, on my Netflix. They're my guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i love it i love some good cookie dough we've come across some cookie dough that or yeah it's cookie dough that you can eat and it's like supposedly safe to eat uh raw and and i have a child with a multitude of food allergies so it's safe for him too so we like keep it in stock we have love you tried it. the brownie hummus no it's I good have. it's good
3: huh yeah with with like pretzels Good. Yeah. What's
1: the brand? I don't know the brand name, but it's, it's, it sounds weird. It is like made with chickpeas, but they add cocoa.
0: Interesting. It's, I'll have to try that.
3: That's good stuff.
0: I love it. They have it
3: at Trader Joe's.
1: They do. Oh, I found it at Publix. Okay. Write that down,
2: Brandy. Trader Joe's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if you could live anywhere for a year, where would you live and why?
2: Ooh, ooh, ooh I want to go first.
0: Um, <laughs> the North coast. Did um, I still hear I that? Yeah. Yes,
3: I was going to say, yeah, well, the Amalfi Coast is amazing. And we're Italian. And I love to eat pasta and lay by the beach. It's on my
0: list. I haven't been. Wait, where is it? Wait, that's not the Cinque Terre era area? No, 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 no Oh, no. then maybe I have been. No, the so the Amalfi Coast
1: is south. Yeah, like Capri. Um, oh, I have been there. Sicily. Yes. That's the Amalfi Coast. Cinque Terre is like. Further up the coast. Okay.
0: Angelina spent a month in Italy with her family. Yeah. And can you adopt me?
2: I would yeah. love like to do that.
0: Yeah, let's go. I Yeah. So next on,
1: our, we might, we, I don't know, Josh threw out like, hey, let's go next year. I was like, what? Okay.
0: <laughs> so I don't know, maybe, but that's on our list too. Amazing. Yeah. So then I have been there and it was beautiful. We went to uh, Capri for like a day, many, many years ago. Okay, our last question that we're going to ask each of you if you could tell your future self one message, one that if you were to listen back to on your 40th birthday, what might you tell yourself?
3: I would tell myself to save my money because I am the spender and I love shopping. So when I'm 40, I hope I have better money habits. And I'm going to tell myself when I'm 40, I should still be saving
0: because you never know what's going to happen. Nice. Good tip. Good tip for anybody. Yes. (laughs) And Candy, if you can tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? You don't know how strong you are. Amen. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. That's the exact (laughs) response I was going to have. Amen to that. Well, ladies, this has been such a fulfilling interview and discussion with you guys i hope you enjoyed this as much as we did i would love to speak with you for many more hours but i know that everyone has busy schedules and um we cannot thank you enough for joining today and for carving out time from your very busy schedule so thank you from the bottom of my heart very much appreciate you sharing your story and your advice and i cannot wait to see Merritt, where where you take your life and and what's ahead for you and and where where the the Merit Peterson fund goes, you know, continues to go because wow, you guys have y'all are a, a force to be reckoned with. Well, thank you. You're gonna do big things. Big things are ahead for you. Ooh, I want to say
2: one 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 last plug. Yeah, it is prom season. We were talking about tanning beds, even though Merritt says that she tells her friends that it ages them. Don't go to the tanning bed. Get a spray tan because the use of a tanning bed one time before the age of 18 increases your chances of melanoma by 75%.
0: Wow. What? I did not know that.
2: Just one time. So the rest of us need to be getting our skin checked because we did damage a long time ago.
1: (gasps) Oh my God. That's
2: jarring.
1: I am so glad that I go to the dermatologist on the regular. So glad. That's amazing advice. And that's great advice for young, because I think it's really prevalent for girls, mainly young women. We want to get in the tan and you want to be dark and whatever, but don't get it, get a spray. I will say that Loving Tan, which is a company
0: out of Australia is a uh, self-tanner you can do at home. It's very good stuff. Well, for anyone that wants to donate to the Merit Peterson Research Fund, you can visit mdanderson.org forward slash Merit, M-A-R-I-T. And thank you guys again for joining us and to our audience. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a good one. Cheers. Thank you all for joining us in today's episode. The information provided in today's episode is for informational purposes only and does not substitute for professional medical advice. We advise our audience to consult a medical professional or healthcare provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and treatment. Thank you all again for joining us on another episode of Talk 40 to Me, and we look forward to next week's episode.
1: Thank you all so much for listening in.
0: And as a member of our community, we want to hear from you. Follow us on
1: social at Talk 40 to me podcast and share your feedback on today's topic.
0: How is the conversation
1: relevant in your life? And is there a topic you'd love to hear us discuss?
0: On that note, cheers to aging gracefully, living life to the fullest, and enjoying another day with your besties in life.